0: Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you for the warm welcome. I love worshiping in places that feel like home. Uh, and when I worship here with you guys at Thrive, it feels like I'm worshiping with my home church. Just the way you love Jesus and you engage the Holy Spirit. I could just feel the love of the Father in this place. And, oh man, that just makes it so much easier, uh, on me as a person coming to share with you. And, um, I am, I'm so, so thankful for, for Kevin and Molly. Uh, and, um, and I just, I wonder if you could do this maybe sometime this week while they're gone. They're going to be mad at me for this. If you know their phone number, send them a text to say, hey, I love you and I appreciate you. Don't ask them for anything. Just let them know that you love them and appreciate them because when we pastors have an opportunity to be away, it's just nice to know, hey, I'm loved and appreciated. So uh, so just let them know that you care for them. Uh, that, would, that would be awesome. So uh, I'm going to share today um, on, on something that's been on my heart and really kind of goes along with this uh, Lenten season that many of us are in that maybe you're kind of practicing maybe for the first time uh for me this has been something I've done uh for for maybe 10 years or so uh, and it helps me to frame this time uh, in scripture and kind of um and really the practice of of lent is anchored in Jesus time in the wilderness and so we're going to explore a little bit together what is the hidden potential that's in the wilderness and so if you want to turn with me you can turn to Luke uh, chapter 4 or my guess is it will be on your screens as well, uh, and we 're going to read this chunk of scripture together and then dive in and explore the hidden potential in wilderness here 's what it says: Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and he said to him I will give you all their authority and splendor it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to so Jesus answered it is written worship the Lord your God and serve him only the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple if you are the son of God he said throw yourself down from here for it is written he will come and as angels concerning you to guard you carefully they will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone and jesus answered it is said do not put the lord your god to the test and when the devil had finished all of his tempting he left him until an opportune time And Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the spirit and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Let me pray. Father, I'm so, so thankful and delighted for your word. Uh, and Lord, and, and it's a privilege and a pleasure to be with your bride today. Uh, and to, to talk about this word that you've shared with us and to talk about the experience of Jesus in the wilderness. I pray, Lord, that today you would help me share what's on your heart to share. God, and not to put myself at the center stage or to communicate anything that's not on your heart. And I pray that my friends here in the room would be discerning and take what's from you and throw away anything that's not. I pray, Jesus, this will guide us into your heart and what you desire for us. I pray, Lord, that you'd move and today would be a day of change in someone's life in this room today. Pray this in your name. Amen. So just before this passage, just before this passage where Jesus is led into the wilderness uh, for this time of temptation, we have the story of Jesus' baptism. For those of you who are familiar with the, with the Gospels, you will, you will remember this. Like literally right before this, he goes into the wilderness, we have this amazing story where John the Baptist has been baptizing people. Jesus goes down to the water. He gets baptized. He says, it's fitting to fulfill righteousness so that I would do this. And then all of a sudden this voice from heaven, the voice of the Father, speaks down and says, this is my Son whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. So we have this amazing moment of affirmation of who Jesus is. Now, I would think that what would happen next after a moment like that, where the God of heaven, this actually only happens three times in all of the Gospels, where anyone hears the voice of the Father from heaven. I would think that what would happen immediately after that would be that Jesus would would, like launch into his ministry and start doing all of his Jesusy stuff like right that the next thing after this incredible voice of affirmation would be Jesus starts doing healing, starts doing miracles, starts doing deliverance, starts like doing all this amazing teaching and all the stuff that we associate jesus that that would follow this like if I was going to write this story and I was like making a movie like that 's how I would do it like why not capture the um, and harness the potential of this moment this is a public moment people hear this voice coming from heaven and all of a sudden like everyone knows oh this is who jesus is but instead of doing that jesus finds himself led by the spirit into the wilderness prior to that moment of baptism jesus lived in obscurity for 30 years Nobody knew who he was except for his family like no th- he has no public ministry at all and so now you have this huge moment this public moment of affirmation i would think that jesus would move from that obscurity kind of into the public light but that's not what the spirit of god does he moves him back into obscurity for 40 days 40 days might not sound like a long time until you think about it. jesus only has 3 years of public ministry. And he spends 40 of that by himself. That's pretty That's pretty significant. So that's not how I see it because I think that I have a kind of a perspective, and my guess is you share this too if you really admit it, that if God loves us and has this moment of affirmation, hey, I love you, you're my son or my daughter, I'm really pleased in you, that the next thing that would follow a word like that from the Lord would be, okay, now life's going to get easy. Or now there's going to be some promotion. Right? Because we have this kind of subtle thinking that if God really loves us, then sometimes he will make it easy for us, and if God is angry or frustrated, well, then it, he makes it hard on us. But it's funny because that's not at all what happens here. We have this like really clear, "I love you, you are my son." And then the immediately next thing ha- happens is Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's let's be honest this morning, guys. Let's not let's not be kind of like uh, the kind of Christians that won't be vulnerable, and let's admit that sometimes, whether we know we should or not, we believe that if God really loves us he will make it easy but here it's the exact opposite God's love and affirmation is immediately followed by leading Jesus into this wilderness to be tempted by the devil and it would be easy to see that this isn't loving by God that this isn't God showing Jesus that that he really loves him if we misunderstand or if we don't appreciate what happens in the wilderness what happens in these times of testing. But Jesus, he willingly goes. The Spirit leads him into this time in the wilderness, and he willingly goes. He says, yeah, okay, I'm going to do this because Jesus knows there's hidden potential and what the Father is going to do in this time in the wilderness. Now, to understand... Exactly what's going on here. We, we need to take a step back and, and look at what the, what the Lord did and the life of his people way back in the Old Testament when they spent their time in the wilderness. So if you remember, uh, back, uh, back when the, the Israelites, they were uh, in captivity in Egypt. Remember this this story, they're in captivity in Egypt, they're under oppression by, by this, this pharaoh, this king of Egypt, they cry out for God, for God to rescue them, he rescues them, you have the whole thing where they go through the Red Sea, and then they spend the next 40 years in the wilderness. This story about Jesus, that time of the Israelites spending 40 years in the wilderness, that's the backdrop, that's kind of what's happening in the background. To Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. As a matter of fact, a couple of the scriptures that Jesus quotes as the enemy is tempting him come directly from Deuteronomy. And in the book of Deuteronomy, if you, if we, we don't have time to go into all of this right now, and Deuteronomy chapter six, seven, and eight, I encourage you, go and read this later. Go and read these chapters. This is the background of what's happening in the wilderness. The scriptures that Jesus quotes to, to the devil here, actually two of them come from those chapters chapters. chapters in Deuteronomy from chapter six, seven, and eight. So clearly kind of the writer of the gospel is like saying, Hey, I want you to be understanding what's happening with Jesus has a connection to what's happening there. And if we study those chapters in Deuteronomy, what we learn is that God had intention for his people in the wilderness. He actually tells them in Deuteronomy chapter, I think it's, I can't remember if it's eight or six. He tells them, I led you into the wilderness." to test you and to see what was in your heart, to know whether or not you would be faithful to me. So that's interesting. This test that the people go through is a test to reveal something that's in his heart. He also goes on to say, I provided manna for you. I made sure that your clothing wasn't going to wear. I've totally taken care of you. I would interpret that for him to say, I wanted to reveal something of myself to you in the wilderness. And all of this, if we read those chapters together, are all meant to prepare the people of God for entering into the promised land. You need to know I'm going to take care of you as you enter into the promised land. Well, I would say that is exactly what's happening here with Jesus. That this time of temptation is actually a time of testing just like what happened to God's people when they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus is going to spend these 40 days in the wilderness being tested. And if we just think about the purpose of tests, why why do we take tests? Now, I should say... That here in the language of the Gospel of Luke, uh, it says Jesus was led and he was tempted by the devil. The original language actually means tested, not just tempted. It can be taken both ways, and it doesn't necessarily mean something negative, right? So tests of, of their own accord uh, aren 't necessarily bad things. actually, tests are actually good things, right? Tests are intended primarily for two purposes. One, they reveal something. Tests reveal something. So if you think about it, go back to your days when you were in school. Uh, let's, let's do driver's test. That one to me for, feels easier. I think about when I took my driver's test. The driver's test is remit, meant to reveal what you know. What do you have inside? Do you know how to navigate the road? Do you know the signs? Do you know that, right? And it also reveals what you need to know. Because if you don't pass that test and the person that you're doing the driving with is like, yeah, this person's not ready. Here's what you would need to do to pass this test. So it reveals what you know and it reveals what you need to know. And tests prepare you for what's next, right? So you take, do you take an exam? You can't pass from one grade to the next without passing certain exams. The point of testing is to make sure that you're ready for the next thing. That's the point of tests, and that um, is helpful for me to think about. I can't advance unless I go through a time of testing. We have to think about this time that Jesus spends in the wilderness and the broader context of what we know about the heart of God. What we know about what the spirit of God does. The Holy Spirit always leads us into more life with God, not less. So whatever happens here in this passage, the spirit of God's intent is to lead Jesus into the wilderness not as a form of punishment. Let me this is like a this is like a Sunday school question. Did Jesus do anything bad to to earn this time of testing in the wilderness? No, right? Our confession as believers is that Jesus lived a perfectly sinless life. So he's not being punished and tests in our life. Maybe there's sometimes where there are there a discipline that God is doing, but discipline is always meant to, to instruct us, to teach us, to advance us, not to push us down, not to punish us. They're meant to reveal something in our life that helps us move on to the next thing in our life, that move us deeper into the heart of God. And so the, the hidden potential in the wilderness and for us is that God can reveal more of himself to us, that he can reveal what's in our hearts and he can reveal what's in his heart and he can move on to the next thing. Now, just to be clear, that is not our enemy's intent in testing. The enemy's intent in testing—it's interesting how this word is used. So it could be test, but it also could be tempt, because to tempt someone to do something is to try to move them away from the heart of God, and that's clearly what the enemy's intent here is. This, his heart for Jesus is it, like it was, like it is for all of us, is to kill, to steal, and destroy. That's what he wants to do, Jesus. So we shouldn't um, uh, be confused when we enter into times of testing where things are hard, where things are difficult. About what God wants to accomplish in our life, which is draw us more into His heart, and what the enemy wants to accomplish in our life, which is to move us away from God's heart. Do you see that? And sometimes those things are going on at the same exact at the same exact time. Helps me to think about. I go back to my college days uh, and my own time of taking lots of tests. I had this. Um, uh, I had this professor. Uh, I took this Old Testament class uh, and the, it was kind of an introduction to understanding and studying the Old Testament and I had the, the professor was this awesome, godly man who really knew the heart of God and really understood the scriptures. And every time I would sit in his class, it was really clear, this guy wanted the students in the class to know more about who God was. And when he gave us a test, he would give us a study guide because he wanted us to be able to pass the test. He wanted us to work hard and he wanted us to, to learn something along the way, but his heart and his, his intent was that we would take these tests and that we would do well. That was awesome, but we um, we also had a, um, a a he I'm sorry he had a uh, student assistant, and the student assistant was a young seminarian. And he, he had a, like an ax to grind and something to prove. He wanted all of us little like kind of peon college students to to know that he knew more than we did. And so every time he would give us a test, he would ask us the most obscure questions he could possibly ask. Like stuff that was like, he didn't give us a study guide and it was some random fact about some person who I can't pronounce in the Old Testament. And his intent when he would give us the test was to show us that he was smarter than what we were. And and it was like you knew if this guy's name was Wolfgang, which just sounds like an intense name, right? And when Wolfgang would give us the test, like we just knew we were destined for failure. And for me, that like is, a, is kind of like reminds me of like how God works in our life. My, I feel like the Lord works in our life to give us tests and put things in us that we would flourish, that would advance us, that would reveal something good in us, while the enemy is like Wolfgang, who wants to see us fail. And so I want us to just to dig into a little bit about that first part of it, about tests revealing something. You don't know uh, what something is made of until it's really tested, until you've tested something. It's hard to know what you really believe until that belief is put to the test. It's hard to know the strength in something until you've tested the strengths of it. So what came to mind for me was when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time in the summer on my family's farm in Maryland. I would go there for a couple of weeks, and it was like just heaven because they had tons of land and, um, uh, and woods, and there was this creek. And uh, the only problem was I was the youngest of all of the cousins. So what that meant was whatever idea my older cousins had, they were going to test it out on me first. So I spent a lot of time hurt, and in one, in one particular instance, they had built this rope swing that was uh, built to swing out from a, from a little bit of a rock face over this creek. And they were like, we're not sure if it's strong enough to hold us, so let's get Chael to do it, to be the test, because I was young and dumb, and they were like, well, if it'll hold him, maybe it will hold us. And so they put me on the swing, not knowing whether or not it was going to hold, and I can tell you, it did not hold. I swung out over the, over, the, over the creek. It broke. I fell. I like fell. It was like a shallow creek. I like came back bloody, and they were like, uh, oh, it didn't work. Well, duh, right? They were right in one sense. To, they didn't know whether it was going to work until it get tested, but unfortunately, I got the brunt of that. But that's how things work in our life. We don't, we don't know uh, how strong something is, of uh, like the integrity of something until it gets tested. And, and Jesus here in this, um, in this time of testing in the wilderness, what, what's inside of him is going to get tested. What is, what's going on in the wilderness is that something is going to be revealed. And the thing that gets revealed is what does he believe about God? And what does he believe about himself? What does he believe about who his father is? And what does he believe about who he is? Whether we know it or not, these ideas, what we believe about the father, and what we believe about who we are and how we relate to him are working in the background of our lives all of the time these thoughts about who god is and who we are these kind of interpret how we uh, how we go through the events of life they 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 inform how we perceive what our purpose is what our destiny is uh, what's happening to us and what's going on around us they form the basis of how we interact with the world they they form the basis of what we do with our time like, so if you believe that God loves you and he's put you on this earth with a purpose, you're gonna live your life differently. Well, then I'm just a random occurrence of science. Right? So it's, it's really important that we, that we think about these, but we don't often know what we think about God and what we think about ourselves until something comes and brings disruption to that kind of stuff. When there's, when there's some sort of testing, something that happens that squeezes us, when something gets squeezed, you see what's on the inside. And so here, that's what's happening for Jesus. He's getting squeezed. He's hungry. It's 40 days. He hasn't eaten anything. He's at his physically lowest in many ways. So we're going to see what comes out of Jesus. What do you really believe about who you are and who God is? And the enemy comes along in this, and he tries to pervert this situation. He tries to bring untruth through deception. Through asking these questions about who God is and about who he is. And so he asks them these questions that begin to get, that, that are an attempt to get Jesus to question the goodness of God. So he says, look, I'm going to paraphrase here. Jesus, let's be honest. You're hungry. And do you really believe that your father in heaven will provide for you what you need? There's a subtle kind of lie in there. I don't think he's going to, Jesus. I don't think he's going to take care of you. So what you can do, if you really are the son of God, is go ahead and turn these stones into bread. If you really are, go ahead and do that. The subtle kind of lie. The subtle kind of questioning to get him to question, is the father good? Are you really related to him? This Can you really do this? If you really believe, Jesus, that that you are meant to be the king of kings, if you really believe that, You know, you can go ahead and have a shortcut to that. Do you really think that you're that valuable to the heart of God, that he would want you to be the king of kings? Well, go ahead and bow down and worship me, and I'll just give it to you right now. I'll go ahead and take care of you. I'm not so sure that that's what your plan is. That's the, the seed of doubt that the enemy is planting. Do you really believe, if you are the son of God, do you really believe that you are loved by God and that He'll take care of you? I've got all kinds of scriptures to show you. This is this enemy talking. I, I can quote you a psalm right now to say if you're really the Son of God, then He'll protect you and He won't let these bad things happen to you. So why don't you go ahead and test this out and throw yourself down from this highest point and see if the angels actually why don't you go ahead and do that? It's a subtle kind of work of the enemy. These questions he's getting Jesus to ask. And what he's trying to do is create disconnection and disorientation. He's trying to separate Jesus from the truth of who he is and what God's destiny and design for him is. And this is how the enemy works in our life. Do you know that the enemy is not primarily concerned with trying to get you to sin? What sin does is create disconnection. It's not about the sinful behavior that we do. It's about what that sin produces in our life. The, the moment that Adam and Eve took the fruit of the tree, they immediately felt shame or were disconnected from each other and disconnected from the Lord. They go and hide. That's the effect of sin in our life. And that is the enemy's game. It's not just to get you to do something bad. It's to keep you disconnected from the heart of the Father. And so these times of testing when the enemy wants us to question who God is and who we are, that's the point of this whole game on his scheme. It's to try to put this wedge of disconnection in between us and the Father. That's his heart. But God's desire is, I want you, I want to see what's really in your heart. Because I want you to see what's really in my heart. That's why God is leading this into this time of testing. I want to show you who I really am. And so we, like Jesus, find ourselves in these times of testing, in wilderness seasons where we have to face the facts about what's going on in the surface under our heart. What do we believe about who God is and about who I am? When you face times of testing, what does it reveal about what you believe about God and about yourself? When money gets tight, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about how he'll take care of you? When you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor, what do you believe? in this particular situation. When you have relationships that are crumbling around you and falling apart, what do you believe about God's desire for you to be in community? What do you believe about yourself and what you think he thinks about you? When you're lonely and isolated, where do your thoughts go? When you feel like people have abandoned you, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about yourself? When your marriage gets hard, what do you believe about what God, about who God is and what he means for you? You know those those things reveal. For Jesus, what it reveals is his absolute confidence in who his Father is and who he is. Jesus passed this test with like an A plus, and he does what no human being has ever done before. When he's pressed, what comes out of him is, I know who my Father is, and I know his intentions for me. And so he gives these quotes back to the devil, these quotes of scripture. I'm anchored in this truth. And so guess what? I don't need to turn these stones into bread because I don't survive on bread alone. It tells us in the other gospel, in the gospel of Matthew, he says that I I live and sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I know what sustains me and it's not you and it's not what I can provide for myself. I know I don't need to put God to the test and throw myself down. I know he loves me, so I don't need to do that. I don't need to do anything to earn God's love and affection, because I know he already loves me. And I don't need to do anything to inherit the kingdom that that I ultimately know I'm designed to because I know what my father has called me to and I know he's got good plans for me so I am not going to bow down and worship you. That's what comes out of Jesus when he is squeezed and that is what he carries through the rest of his life in every situation. He's 100% secure in his identity. He's 100% secure in his purpose. And the result for us is really good news because that allows him to win for us our salvation. You and I can sing the songs that we're singing today and experience the love of God because Jesus was so confident in this. But the truth is that my story and your story is often very different. I don't know about you, but I rarely feel like I pass these tests with an A+. I'm maybe a C student at best. Right? A lot of times I am surprised when push comes to shove and I feel like I'm in these times of testing how little I actually trust God and how quick I am to go to worry. Anyone else? how quickly I am to go to solving the problem myself. If the the opportunity presented itself, it's like, Chael, you produce bread, I'd be like, yeah, 100%, give me the bread. Yeah, let's do it, right? But just like, no, I'm not going to do that. But I immediately go to problem solving. Let me fix this. Let me solve this on my own. I'm... I'm often taken back when I go through times of testing by whether or not, I don't believe that, I don't doubt whether God is good, but I wonder if he'll be good to me. Anybody else? I don't doubt whether or not God is love, but I doubt, God, how is this loving? Right? Because when I get tested, it reveals what's inside of me. And sometimes what's inside of me is not necessarily something I like. One, one time I was on a, a, like a literal wilderness trip. We do these backpacking and uh, canoeing trips in Canada with some guys from our church. And um, it's kind of like a leadership training, spiritual formation kind of thing that we do. And, and one particular day, it was my first time up there, uh, they had given me the map and said, hey, we want you to guide us from point A to point B. And so they give you a map without a whole lot of direction other than this is where we're supposed to go. And it's kind of, if you've never read a map like this and navigating lakes, it's kind of uh, uh, lakes, it's a little bit tricky. And so they they asked me to do this. And so uh, I was doing okay until I finally got into this one big lake and I got a bit disoriented and I couldn't find where we were supposed to go to the other side of the lake, the exact spot we are supposed to get out and portage our Canoes from one place to the next would carry them from one place to the next. I couldn't find it. And so I struggled for probably an hour and a half, guiding us aimlessly around this lake, trying to find this place. And the whole entire time, my anger just started getting just rising more and more and more. I was getting more and more frustrated. And finally, someone said something to me. I couldn't even tell you what they said. And I absolutely lost it. I just got so angry. I just acted out in rage. I screamed something. I don't remember what I said. Probably can't repeat it here. It wasn't good. And in that moment, I was like, just so uh, I knew the moment it came out of my mouth that there was like something ungodly inside. And as I reflected on it, later on, we got around the campfire and we were reflecting on the day, I had a chance to process the event, I realized that I had been believing this lie that I had to be perfect in order to be a leader. And that I believed that I had to guide everybody perfectly if they were going to really trust me and follow my leadership. By that time, I was a pastor, which is a really yucky thing to act that way as a pastor, but it felt like, you know, what else am I going to do? It's real. It's raw. It's raw. And so that actually changed the course of my life. Because I realized I wasn't living with that lie in that moment. I had been living with that lie my whole life. Believing that I had to be perfect. And that moment of revelation, of that testing in the wilderness, set me on a course that I was going to be completely different. I entered into counseling. I was like, i got to get to the root of this. I did inner healing. I was like, I throw all the things at it, right? And I, what what happened for me is God revealed his heart for me. That he was perfect and so I didn't have to be. And I wouldn't have had that moment of seeing how Jesus is a perfect leader if I hadn't seen my own imperfection as a leader. I had to go through that time of testing to get to that place. The point of times of testing aren't really about passing or failing. They are about opportunities to grow. When we find ourselves being tested and we don't necessarily like what we see, we have a choice of what we will do with that. When we crack under pressure and we reveal, ah, there's something in here that doesn't really line up with Jesus, it doesn't line up with the heart of God, we have a choice. What will I do with this thing now? Now, some of us will double down and and kind of go more into the dysfunction, but God's heart is like, no, I want you to see my heart for you in this. And there's no way that we can do that unless we're willing to face those things. God has something, this hidden thing in the wilderness for us to discover about who he is. He has something that he can awaken in us that will that will draw something out in us if we're willing to lean in to the wilderness. He is longing, I'm telling you, the Father is longing to show you his heart. In order to show you his heart, sometimes he has to show you what's in your heart. So we can choose to listen to the devil's whispers, listen to his lies, allow him to bring that disconnection and doubt. We can allow ourselves to feel defeated and like pushed down, or we can take these times of testing as opportunities to learn. We can take the pressure. Look, I'm just going to relieve you of pressure right now. You do not have to be perfect. It's okay. Not right now, man. This would be a great time just to focus right here, but thank you so much. No, you're good, man. Uh, So, I'm just, uh, you know, I I, I want you to know that the Father's heart is to reveal His heart. Where there's doubt about God's faithfulness, I can choose to wait and watch and see how He'll be faithful. Where I find myself not responding in a Christ-like way, in a situation... I can choose to say, I bring this to you, Jesus. When I'm short with my kids, like I was just last night at a moment with one of my daughters, that was not my proudest moment as a dad. I can choose to lean in and say, okay, Lord, how can I be more like you? I don't like what just came out right there. That's what his heart is for you, and that's the hidden potential in the wilderness. The hidden potential is deeper intimacy with him, And a deeper sense of identity for you. That's what gets to happen if we're willing. God's heart, when he brings us into times of testing, is to draw us into his heart. Some of you who have been through terrible, hard times of testing will know there are times you never felt closer to the Lord than in those times. Am I right? Right? And you might say, I don't ever want to go back there again. But what I miss is that closeness and that connection with the heart of God. And what I've learned from my own life going through my own wilderness seasons is that I emerge from those seasons not only with greater intimacy but also greater identity. I know who I am. And that leads me to think about, okay, God, I don't want to despise these things. Because the reality is these moments of testing aren't just for revealing something; they're also for preparing preparing us for something. There's something more in those times of testings. So let me just let me just give you the little bit more. I feel a bit like kind of one of those infomercials, but like wait, there's more, you know? So actually, in the in the gym where I've been working out, there's um, an elliptical machine. That's like my elliptical machine, and on the on the screen that I'm like, it's right there. For whatever reason, it's stuck on a channel that's just infomercials. So I can tell you any price for any random. Commercial thing that you want to know. So, and all of the gadgets that we'll do. But wait, there's more. Whatever tests you might be facing now, whatever's pressing on you, whether it's from the enemy or whether it's from the Lord, God will always use that to prepare you for what comes next. God will always use it. Not every test, not every hardship, not every difficult, just to be really clear, is, is from the Lord. I, remember, the devil wants to kill, to steal, and destroy. His heart and his intent is to bring you down, right? But God has this beautiful way of taking what the enemy means for evil and using it for our good. The scriptures are full of those kinds of stories. Actually, your whole Bible is full of people's lives who are an absolute mess, who God turns around. I can think of one right now, the Apostle Paul, the murderer and persecution of the church, rounding up Christians. God takes this man's story and turns it completely upside down and uses Paul like for our good. Isn't that awesome? So what I know is God won't waste the wilderness that we're in. He he won't waste it even if he didn't bring it. These are always meant to advance us and always can advance us. These times of testing, in those times of testing, we are formed in the present for what God has for us in the future. Sometimes that that comes through overcoming. Sometimes we face the test and we're like, in this battle, and this moment, I, I know I stood my ground and I can overcome so I know I can take on the next thing that's ahead of me. Sometimes we face these tests and it's through overcoming that we advance into the next thing. Sometimes it's through our weakness and sometimes it's through our failure. But this is how life works. When a baby starts learning to walk, how many times do they fall down before they finally figure it out? When you first learned to ride a bike, how many times did you fall over on the bike before you finally figured out how to ride it? Right? It was all those times of failure, of falling over, that helped your body to figure out, oh, this is how you pedal and steer the bike. I can still remember the feeling like it was yesterday when I figured out how to keep the bike going without falling. Do you remember that feeling? But it wasn't like one day you had finally figured out a special trick. Like, you know, like you just put the pieces together. That's what happens in in children when they begin to walk. It's not like they're able to like sit down and like put on a whiteboard. Okay, these are the steps to walking. I'm going to do this right now. They try and they try and they try and they fall and they fall. And eventually they just figure it out. And that's a skill that they will have with them for the rest of their life. But every, every attempt, every time they tried and they failed, advanced them rather than set them back. In those times of testing, especially in failure, we learn about ourselves and we learn how God could be there for us. We learn through our setbacks how to advance. We remember, I remember how God provided. I remember how God took care of me. I remember how I didn't see how it possibly could work out. And now as I look back, I see how the Lord was with me. I remember how I could lean on the Lord to get me through. I remember how, when I had nothing left to give, the Lord gave me just a little bit more to get through. And those times, as we, as we lean into those times where we had to rely on God's strength to get us through the next test, the next thing that we face, it feels a little bit easier because of the ground that's been taken. It was because David defeated the lion and the bear and the wolf and the wilderness that he's able to defeat Goliath. It's because of his times learning how to live by himself in the wilderness that he's able to escape Saul, the evil king who was trying to chase him and take his life. It's because of these moments in the wilderness where Jesus is tempted by the devil that later in his life when he's about to go to the cross he's able to face that temptation and say, no father, not my will but your will be done. I invite the worship team to come on up. I remember when I was a kid I've, I've been about this size since I was like about 12. I was just always a bit, I was always a big kid And uh, I used to wrestle. And I can remember being in sixth grade, and there were just no other kids my size on our team. And so when I would wrestle, I would win every time, not because I was particularly good. I was just bigger. And so our wrestling coach had this awesome idea to have me go up and wrestle the kids in high school. Because they were a little bit more my size. Well, just because I was the same size did not mean I was the same strength level. And what that meant is every time I would go up and I would wrestle, I got my butt kicked every day, all day, for weeks on end. But what I discovered was that when I finally got to wrestle someone my age, I was—I had so much more strength. I had so much more endurance. I was so much sharper than I would have been had I not been put through those tests of wrestling the giant that was bigger than me. And I am telling you that some of these tests that God has in our life are a beautiful gift to help you be able to conquer something that you don't even know is there in the future. It's stretching, it's hard. It says here in the passage, I read that Jesus emerged from the wilderness and that he was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Before he went into the wilderness, it says he was led and he was full of the Spirit. He comes out of the wilderness full and the power of the Holy Spirit. It is after these times of testing that we know we've got power to do something. It's after this time of testing that Jesus emerges and he starts doing healings. He starts doing deliverance. He starts teaching to the masses. He won some battle that that fueled his future in the wilderness. And I promise you that the things that you're going through right now are not meant to ruin you from God's point of view. They're meant to advance you. He's trying to wake you up and reveal what's in your heart so he can reveal what's in his heart so you can step into the future he has for you. So, I wonder what test are you facing right now? What is God showing you right now about who you are? What is God showing you right now about who He is? Are you willing to lean in to the wilderness? And to see the hidden potential that he has for you right now. I guarantee you right now. There's something that the Lord is trying to reveal to your heart. About who you are and about who he is. And while you're in the middle of it, you might not know why. You might not know, like, what is the point of all of this? But someday, soon, you're going to look back and say, God, I learned about who you were back then. And I learned about who I am. And you're going to step into the situation with more power than what you do was possible. I can only say that with such assurance because I've seen it play out in my life over and over again. I've seen it play out in the lives of the people in my church over and over and over again. But we have a choice to make. Will we really engage with the heart of God and hear his voice in these moments? choose to embrace this like kind of hidden thing that's happened in the wilderness.